Okay, good morning, you guys. Good to see you all. What? Ah, ah. <clears throat> what a lousy morning <laughs> this morning. I hope some of you have heated seat warmers in your car. Uh, hey, listen, this is, uh, this is lousy. <laughs> the weather's awful this morning, but it's such a joy for me to get to be with you guys this morning. Just such a great congregation. Uh, I missed you last week when I was off quarantining for COVID. Uh, my quarantine ended. I got to talk to a DHEC nurse about that, and she had me ended a few days ago. Um, I never felt too bad. Uh, it was a, it, God was good, and it was mild, and so we've just been uh, keeping to ourselves, and we'll continue to as best we can. Uh, COVID is everywhere right now, and uh, the worst thing would be us passing this around to each other at Christmas here, uh, and not able to see family or be around each other for Christmas. So we'll still keep up the deacon's plan to do a drive up only like this at 10 a.m. for at least the next two weeks uh, through January 3rd. So the next two Sundays will be just like this Sunday, drive up only at 10 a.m. After that, we'll look perhaps at going back to the uh, way we were doing it. Uh, we'll just see. Uh, no, de no decisions yet uh, one way or another, but uh, we'll always plan on having a drive up option, but we might also go back to some inside ones. Uh, in January as we had been doing um, before this. Uh, I'm so encouraged by this vaccine coming out so quickly and so many people being able to receive it already. I'm looking forward to myself getting it and, uh, and us being able to just gather together again and, uh, and worship uh, physically present together. Uh, but until then, we might this morning look like the Who's from Whoville uh, who have very little reason, it seems, to be sunny and happy and rejoicing, and yet here we are rejoicing, because even though it's a lousy morning, we have a great God, and we have the Spirit of God who is on us and with us, and even if through a windshield, we have each other, we're not alone. And so, like those who's from Whoville, uh, we're here together to sing, and to praise, and to rejoice, because Jesus Christ has done everything that we need. He's kept every promise he's made, and he's promised that he will return and set things right. And so it is our joy to wait on the Lord until then. Um, I'm really sad that we're not going to have a Christmas Eve service together uh, this year. That's always my favorite worship service of the year. Uh, but logistically, it was just going to end up being a bad idea, and now it may well be snowing and freezing, or as it gets in Aiken, it may just be slushy and impossible to drive, or ill-advised at least, uh, to drive up for it. And so we're not going to do it together this year. However, we are still going to have, in February or March, for no good reason, a candlelight service together. <laughs> Details to come, but I've talked to Richard about this, and we're still going to get together and sing... Uh, hymns at some point in February or March whenever we can and get our candles out because it's always the right time to praise God and to rejoice together. And I don't want to miss that, even if it's got to be a little delayed. Um, while I missed last Sunday, uh, I'm just so glad to have Trevor uh, to fill in and he did a fantastic job. Uh, and then the youth had a great Christmas party together as well. Uh, but being that I was out and absent, I asked the deacons if it was still all right. Uh, I'd still like to go see my family uh, for Christmas in Texas. Um, 
and uh, I asked permission if it was still all right, given that I had to miss last Sunday if I could. Uh, and they, they obliged me on that one and said, yeah, absolutely, go, go and spend some time with family, just be safe and be careful. Uh, and so uh, I'll be gone the next two Sundays um, in Dallas and San Antonio, checking in on some family and getting to see them and rejoice and celebrate with them. Uh, and then I'll be back uh, again to continue worshiping with this family that I love so much. The last thing I need to let you know about is one of our church members passed away this past week. Uh, Marilyn Melton, a dearly beloved woman of God, uh, passed on to be with the Lord. If you would, congregation, reach out to her son, Don, and his wife, Kathy Melton. Don and Kathy are also members here. Uh, their information's in the church directory or on the app. And uh, just reach out to them with a call, with some cookies, with a card, and let them know that uh, we're grieving with them and uh, mourning with them and celebrating with them and just love them and care about them uh, during this time. But uh, I wanted you also to know that uh, we lost another saint this past week in Marilyn Melton, who was a very sweet, kind lady. Let me say a prayer for us, and then we've got some great singing to do together today. Father God, I thank you that you're so gracious to us. I, I thank you that you've been so kind to us. I thank you that you are always with us. I thank you for gathering us together in your spirit today to worship you, to hear your word. And Father, teach us and receive this time as worship. And this I pray in your name. All right, all right. <laughs> oh, man, what's he going to say? Uh, so my hope was, uh, I love getting to sing along. Uh, with songs, but my plan was, of course, to turn off my microphone like I did so that I could sing along, Oh Holy Night, and that if you didn't see John Braswell inside, you may have thought that was my beautiful man voice uh, coming into your car. So uh, here's to hoping you were fooled <laughs> into thinking that I could sing like that. Well, let's talk today about waiting, everyone's favorite topic, patiently waiting. Isn't that right? Don't you sometimes get frustrated at Chick-fil-A? Because with how many cars should be there, it really ought to take longer in order to get your food. And sometimes maybe they're just too fast. And I wanted to wait a little bit. Sometimes I, I go to Arby's just because the wait is so much longer. I don't know how. There's only three cars ever there. And yet it takes an hour longer than it does over at Chick-fil-A. Obviously not true. Nobody likes waiting. I don't like waiting. Waiting can be excruciating. Especially when you wait and you wait and you wait and you start to think that the thing that you're waiting on may never actually come. But with Jesus Christ, all of the things that he has promised to us that we are waiting with hopeful expectation for he always brings them right on time. How long would you be willing to wait for a prophecy to be fulfilled? Because long, long ago, the prophet Isaiah prophesied. And he said, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nations and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time, as they rejoice with divided spoils. For a child will be born to us. 
a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. His name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and the Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast, and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. A child is promised. A king who will come and sit on the throne of David and will reign in a way that will never end. His kingdom and the prosperity of his kingdom will never end but go on forever. This Messiah, this child, this king, this wonderful counselor and mighty God is promised. And how long do the people have to wait? Hundreds of years, it turns out, until God is ready to fulfill this promise at just the right time. But even more so, for two specific people, Simeon and Anna, they waited their whole lives. You see, the passage we're looking at today is Luke chapter 2, and we'll start reading in verse 25. But Simeon is an old priest who had received a specific prophecy that he was going to get to see that child before he died. And now, well advanced into age, Mary and Joseph bring the Christ child into the temple to be circumcised in keeping with the law. And Simeon gets to see the child. There's also a prophetess there, Anna, who's lived alone for the vast majority of her life, doing what she could to praise God and encourage other people who were waiting on comfort from God. And both of these two get to see Christ come into their lives. The prophecy is fulfilled, and there is great rejoicing. And this is our passage for today. I'm going to read Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 25. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, and he was looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It would be revealed to him, or it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus uh, to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took the child in his arms and praised God and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, and a sword will pierce your own soul, and the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. There was also a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher, She was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after marriage, and then she was a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple, serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. 
And at that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord for us together today. How old was Anna? She lived with her husband seven years, it says. She lived with her husband seven years after they had been married, and then she was a widow for how long? 84 years. How old was she? How long had she been waiting? How long had she been serving faithfully? Never leaving the temple, it says, but constant in her prayer and fasting. All of her life, which is longer than the lifetime of most people, And Christ comes into her life at just the right time. And she rejoices and begins to go around to everyone she sees who was looking for comfort, who was looking for redemption, and telling them that Jesus Christ had come. I love talking about Simeon and Anna. That's why I like to talk about this passage at Christmas. It might not technically be a Christmas passage on account of it is after Christ comes into the world, after he's born into the world. But here we are, because it is Christ coming into the lives of Simeon and Anna. It's Christ coming into the temple. And we get to talk about how every single person who waits on the Lord has Christ deliver his promises right on time in their lives as well. This is a passage of waiting, but not primarily. It's primarily a passage of hope and of trusting Christ and of hope that is fulfilled. So what are we supposed to give? What are we supposed to do given the lives of Simeon and Anna? Well, first of all, let us wait on the Lord. What should we do today? Wait. Wait patiently on the Lord. Regularly, it is a constant temptation in every person's life, for every single one of us, that we should not wait on the Lord, doing what he's commanded, living righteously, but instead we should do what will get us comfort immediately. We, we will all in our lives regularly be tempted to not do what is right and trust God, but rather do what is quick and gets us what we want now as quickly as we can without having to wait. We are all regularly and continually tempted to do what's expedient rather than what is right and waiting on God. It happens all the time and in all kinds of different ways. You know, for those of you who are waiting to be married someday, it is always the right thing to do, to wait on the Lord's timing and to wait for the right, righteous spouse. There will be plenty of people and all will be tempted to do simply what's expedient or to be together with whoever comes along or is nearby. But the calling from God is to wait on the Lord to marry a righteous person who trusts the Lord and is willing to follow him. And so we must do this as well. You know, the poster child for not waiting on the Lord was King Saul. 1 Samuel chapter 13, he's king over Israel, and his son Jonathan has attacked a Philistine garrison, and now the Philistines are all stirred up, and they bring out their army in full, and their army is massive compared to Israel's army. 
Israel's army is smaller in terms of soldiers, and they don't have the technology. They don't have horses, they don't have spears, they don't have chariots. And they see this massive Philistine army coming against them, and the Israelites are terrified. And they start running and hiding in whatever caves or shrubs they can find. They're going and hiding wherever they can. And King Saul is supposed to wait on the prophet Samuel to come and offer the sacrifices necessary that God has called them to perform before they go into battle. Saul is supposed to wait six days until Samuel comes and offers those sacrifices right on time. But it's the sixth day. And the troops are leaving one by one. The army of Israel is being deflated. Saul's losing all his men. And it's the sixth day. And he's waiting on Samuel. He's waited all these six days. But Samuel's not here. And so Saul stops waiting. And he takes the matters into his own hands. And he makes the sacrifices himself. He says, bring me the animals. I'll do the sacrifices. I'll put them on the altar myself. And as soon as he does it, Samuel walks up. Says, Saul, what are you doing? All you needed to do was trust God. This same God who has delivered his people over and over again without any armies at all. This God who delivered his people from the armies of Egypt crossing through the Jordan River and crushing the armies of Egypt. This God who delivered the stronghold of Jericho to his people when they had little more than trumpets. This God who again and again has delivered his people from oppressors, who has protected them and provided for them all on his own. All you had to do was trust him and wait on the Lord. And Saul was not willing to wait. But listen, we don't want to beat up on Saul today. As we've said, this temptation will come to every single one of us in life. This temptation will come in interpersonal relationships that we ought to do what we think will get us what's right rather than waiting on the Lord and acting righteously. When we go to speak to other people, sometimes we will be tempted to speak in a way that is rude and inappropriate and unnecessary for Christians, but it's the way we think will get us what we want. We're inclined to do things that are underhanded, that skirt the law, that are against what God has commanded us, but every single time, the right answer for us is the same as it was for Saul. We are called to wait on the Lord. Simeon and Anna, wait on the Lord, and their hopes are fulfilled. And this happens for every other person who trusts God and endures in their trust and faithfulness to him, no matter how long it takes. We Christians are a people who reject the attitude of, I'll get what I want by any means necessary. We have set aside all means in order to say, I believe that Jesus Christ will deliver me just like he did everyone else who trusted him. And so I will patiently wait on him. I will only do what is right and always do what is right. Even if it means I don't get what I think I want right now. Because all of my hope is in Jesus Christ as Lord. And this way we follow the example of Simeon and Anna, waiting on the Lord, but also by being guided by the Spirit. You see, even as Simeon 
is awaiting Jesus Christ to come into the temple, this passage says repeatedly that the Holy Spirit is on him and that he is guided by the Spirit in his life. Even as he is waiting on Christ the Savior to come, yet the Spirit of God is with him, and this is true for all of us now who are in Christ. God is with you if you are in Christ. The Holy Spirit is with us. And so while we are waiting on the Lord, that doesn't imply laziness or inactivity. While we wait on the Lord to fulfill his promises, yet we live lives guided by the Holy Spirit. Don't you know that Anna never lived an idle day in her life, but was constantly serving the Lord in every way she could? So likewise, to be a Christian is to be one who is waiting on the Lord to do what is right and bring us justice and bring about our hope. Yet while we are waiting on the Lord, we still live lives guided by the Holy Spirit, doing everything we can as much as we can for the encouragement of other people who need comforting from God to proclaim, just like Anna, that Jesus Christ is Lord to show other people what a life looks like that is led trusting God every step of the way. Wait on the Lord, but at the same time, we're not supposed to be idle or unproductive or lazy, but to do the works of righteousness that God has set before us, to be guided by the Spirit. 2020 is practically over, and we have a whole other year before us. What goals for righteousness are you going to set for yourself? How will you bear fruit this next year? In what ways will you proclaim Christ's death and resurrection until he comes again? Let us not be unproductive, friends, but let us wait on the Lord, all the while being guided by the Spirit, obedient to him. So wait on the Lord, be guided by the Spirit, and then... Simeon gives a prophet, uh, he gives a prophecy to Mary. He tells Mary that her own heart will be pierced as well. That while Christ is going to change everything at the same time, this is going to cause some suffering for Mary as well. Simeon lets Anna know, you know, her calling is not, as it is sometimes portrayed, to simply be in the main float in a parade, waving at people and being rejoiced at about how wonderful Mary is. She was, and she's a worthy example for us of faith. But her calling was not an easy one. Her calling was a hard one. There was going to be a sword to pierce her heart as well. There was suffering for Mary as well. The suffering of reputation, of loss of reputation. The suffering that, don't you recall, Mary and Joseph have to live their lives as refugees in Egypt for much of the raising of Christ? The calling for Mary is that she's going to have to leave her home and be far away from her people in order to raise her child in exile in a foreign nation, living as a refugee. She's going to watch Christ die on the cross. The call for Mary is the call to trust God and know that God is going to deliver every promise that he makes. The call for Mary is to have her hope fulfilled completely and wholly, but to know that there is going to be suffering along the way. And this is the call for us Christians as well. 
We are a people rejoicing. We can joke about being the who's from Whoville, even while we're driving up in this lousy weather in a time when we can't get out and see each other and give each other a hug. To follow Christ doesn't mean being happy all the time, but it does mean always rejoicing in hope. We have this joy that goes beyond smiles. We have this joy even when times are hard. Because we know that God keeps his promises. And yet, always, for all of us, there is still suffering for us to be done as well. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 12 about this, to a people who are suffering for the name of Christ, he says, keep your eyes on Jesus. If you're suffering today, if it is difficult in your life because you're following Christ, keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was laid before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostilities from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and give up. In struggling against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Which is what, that's the encouragement. We don't need to belittle the difficulties and the challenges that we go through in following Christ. But like those Hebrew people, the odds are high for us today that we have not suffered to the point of shedding blood. And so let us fix our eyes on Christ who endured such shame and such suffering, but he did it for the joy set before him. And that is the salvation of you and I. Such is the love of God for us. Likewise, there is a great joy set before us. Don't be discouraged just when things get difficult. Don't be the kind of person who, when a little suffering comes into our life, even when a lot of suffering comes into our life, that it rocks our faith completely. We, like Mary, are forewarned that there will be suffering. Our hearts will be pierced. But we know, just like Mary, just like Simeon, just like Anna, that God delivers on all of his promises. He will come and set all things right. So even while we are suffering, even while things are difficult, even while we don't get what we want, even when what we want is good, we can fix our eyes on Christ, who endured such difficulties for the joy set before him. And we too can endure such difficulties. We can endure and we can hope and we can rejoice because we know that Christ is going to make it right someday. Finally, in this passage, let us rejoice at who God brings comfort to. Again, how old is Anna at this passage? She's older than you are, <laughs> suffice it to say. And she waited longer, but her hope was fulfilled. How long had Simeon been waiting? And yet, 
Christ brought about the fulfillment of his hope as well. Who are these people but an old prophet, occupied nation, a widow for the vast majority of her life, and yet this is the kind of people who can trust in Christ. You'll recall when the angels come to sing praises at the birth of the child, who do they come to? A bunch of shepherds out in the field. The kind of guys who have to live out there and spend the night out there protecting the sheep. These are the low men on the totem pole, the bottom rung at work. Christ is for them and Christ is for you. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what phase of life you're in. It doesn't matter if you're alone. Christ is for you. And he has purpose for you in his kingdom. Anna was a widow for a long time, but not a day of her life was wasted. Every day was spent serving the Lord at all times. So it is for us. In the world, we all become disposable at a certain age. At a certain phase in life, they have no need for us out there in the world. People start saying, oh, it's about time for you to retire, right, and move out of the way so I can get my promotion. You know, it works that way on the front end, too. Out in the world, you're still not old enough to start doing your job. You've still not made it. You're still a kid forever and ever. I joke with Trevor, I call him the boy or the kid, the boy wonder, the child prodigy, the uh, Doogie Hauser, if you will, because he's young, but the Spirit of God is on him. And like Paul said to Timothy, he needs not wait any longer in life to start doing the work of the evangelist, to start fulfilling his ministry. Listen, however young you are today, you don't have to wait to some certain golden age in order to fulfill the calling of God in your life. You're never too old or too young. You're never too well-educated or not well-educated enough. You're never too wealthy or not wealthy enough. None of it matters, but Christ is for you, whoever you are, and he has work for you to do in his kingdom. I'm constantly encouraged by Psalm 42, uh, 92. The 92nd Psalm, it says, the righteous thrive like a palm tree. They grow like a cedar tree in Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they thrive in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age, healthy and green, to declare the Lord is just. He is my rock. There is no unrighteousness in him. The righteous are like trees that continue to bear fruit into a very old age. What is that fruit? To declare constantly that the Lord is just. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. That psalm is about Anna and if it's about Anna then it's about you too. God has meaningful work for you in his kingdom you're never too young, you're never too old, you're never in the wrong season in life, but that God has the work of righteousness for you to do. And it is time today for you and I to bear fruit in Christ. So what do we do? Wait on the Lord. While you're waiting, be guided by the Spirit at all times in your life. 
know up front that a sword will pierce your heart as well. And there is suffering for us. But there is joy all the greater. And let us rejoice that he has included you and I. And finally, let's do the work of Simeon and Anna. And that is to comfort God's people. To build up and encourage each other. To say, Jesus Christ forgives every sin that is confessed to him. To call out to people and to say, come, join us in repenting and in believing. Come, drink from the fountain of the water of life without cost. Come and rejoice in Christ forever. Because the Lord is just. He is my rock. And there is no unrighteousness in him. Dear congregation, Talatha Baptist Church, Merry Christmas, and God bless you all. Father God, I thank you that you are with us. I thank you that you are guiding us. I thank you for the great joy that you have set before us, and so great is it, we are willing to endure what must be endured. Because we believe. We are here today to be a people repenting, believing, rejoicing, and hoping in Jesus Christ our Lord till he comes again. Jesus, come soon. Until that day, we will be rejoicing that Jesus Christ is Lord. This I pray in your name. Amen.